0: It has been said that the lives of many rest in the courage of a few. It's always been so since the dawn of men. This is Morgan Snyder and I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. The Become Good Soil intensive is one of the most rare and remarkable gatherings of kingdom men around the globe. Sages and young kings come together to take a shared adventure to recover lost treasures and to risk everything on becoming the person God meant when he meant us. This is episode one of a three-part series where we are pulling back the veil and inviting you to come join us in some of the final intimate moments of a few recent Become Good Soil Intensives that took place in Colorado and in Australia. In this first episode, I invite you to sneak into one of the final sessions. There is more. There's a lot more. So Father, Jesus and Holy Spirit, we push off at the gates everything beyond these gates. We bind every spirit of distraction, every spirit of distraction, we cut it off in Jesus' name. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would flood us and fill us, your power and your presence. We ask, Father, that you would protect this place and provide. God, we welcome your generosity today. You have so many gifts, and I I sit in anticipation that, that hope is the eager anticipation and expectation of good things. God, we eagerly expect and hope that you will come today. Jesus, we stay in your inextinguishable life, your death, your resurrection, and your ascension. Fill us a fresh spirit. We align ourselves with you and we ask God for the capacity to be present here and now in this moment to receive the portion of eternity that you have for us here and now. There's a story in Matthew that's just uh, intrigued me, haunted me, perplexed me for many years. And then several years ago, I sat well more than seven, several probably seven, eight years ago, I was sitting with a mentor, some wise sages that began to unpack and let the light of the kingdom shine. Um, I wanted to share it with you this morning. And Jesus had entered Capernaum a centurion soldier much like Maximus came to him asking Jesus for help Lord he said my servant lies at home paralyzed in terrible suffering and Jesus said to him I will go and I will heal him the centurion replied lord When Jesus heard this, he was astonished. Jesus was astonished. And he said to those following him, I tell you the truth. I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And then Jesus said to the centurion, looking him in the eye, looking him in the soul, go. It will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. The Greek word for astonished there is thoudmetsau. It is only used one place in this whole book relating to the faith of a person. And it causes me to wonder, what is it that a man can do that astonishes the heart of God? And we have one place to go find it. It's a good question to sit with for a decade. What is it that astonishes God? brothers, everything up to this point um, has been prologue. It's meant to build. It's meant to build because we need the layers so that we can have the heart to go subterranean deeper and deeper and deeper. And this morning, I just want to offer one simple big idea. Just one. Um, What is it it's rooted in this question, is what does it take to astonish the heart of God? And the scriptures suggest that it is a bit, it's available. It's fascinating about the centurion soldier is he understands authority. He understands in an intimate heart, soul, knowledge, how the kingdom works. He understands that he's a man under authority, and in authority. And and guys, this is the crux of the masculine journey. This is the centerpiece that few men ever consent to. Few men ever consent to it. You notice in the story of Gladiator that you'll remember from boot camp, you have a general who became a slave, a slave that became a gladiator, a gladiator that defied an empire. You all know that's all borrowed from the gospel, right? That's the story of Jesus, who in the likeness of God took on the nature of humanity, became a bondservant, and then a gladiator, a swordsman, the scripture says. The Lord is a warrior, the Lord is his name. And he defied an evil kingdom and he brought it down you see that Maximus is a good king. And like, I so appreciated Shannon's comment last night about Jack, like, man, his world's a a pretty banged up world. And in it, he's offering a humble strength on behalf of others, sacrificing his reputation, his money, his outcomes. Maximus says, What we do in life echoes in eternity. See, Maximus knows that he's a good king, and in all that chaos, he's living from the inside out for the kingdom to come. Here's what's fascinating about that clip. There's one piece for you to hold on to, is Maximus is a man who understands authority. He is not an autonomous king, right? Right? My name is Maximus Meridius, commanders of the armies of the north, loyal servant to the true king, Marcus Aurelius, the true loyal servant to the true king, Marcus Aurelius, husband to a murdered wife, father to a murdered son, and I will have my vengeance. I will in this life or the next. He knows who he is and who he is as a man under authority. Our capacity to rule and reign as kings is in proportion to our willingness to consent to authority that God has structured in the heavens. And guys, at the seat of the fall of man, when Adam chose Eve over God, and that fracture happened. The first disintegration of the soul in the masculine heart, he hid. And he feared his father and his Lord. And the most important question in all of scripture, and I believe in the human story, is Adam, where are you? Where are you? God knows where Adam is. It's, it's a soul to soul question. He's saying, Adam, there's a way back. Adam, there's a way to be good again. Adam, I know who you are. Where are you? The question's for Adam's benefit. It's a lifeline. It's an invitation. It's a reaching. And Adam hides and he makes a fig leaf. And so goes the heart of every man. We absolutely hate being under authority. In our false man, we love self-sufficiency. We love independence. We love life on our own terms. And brothers, it doesn't work. And God is the divine thwarter that will stop at nothing, even to the falling of a kingdom, of a nation, to see that our hearts can return under authority of a good, good father that knows what we need before we, we even ask, that has our best intentions in mind, that's working and willing to bring goodness in our life, that's structuring a masculine journey at the edge of frontier that beckons us to become all that God meant when he meant us. And it all hinges on authority. And will we consent? And authority is so broken in this world. We have every reason in this world, right? The wide road to say, that's not safe. It's not good. But that doesn't change the realities of the kingdom. And that's why our work is on earth as it is in heaven. And so my question this morning is, how yielded are you to the Father? How yielded are you to the consent, to to bring your consent under God? How yielded are you to his authority and rule and reign in your life so that you can live in union with him, a man in authority and under authority that astonishes God? Because guys, that's what Jesus knew. That's what he operated from. He knew he was a son, His identity was rooted in sonship. He knew he was an apprentice where he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. He knew that in, in John it says that he came from heaven and he was returning to heaven, and therefore, therefore, that was his operating worldview, that he could serve the lowest seat with a kingly heart, and rule against evil and darkness with the heart of a servant. He knew it and he operated from that place. And that's why the the apex of the life of the son of God comes to this place on the cross where all of the weight of fallen humanity is on this young man, the son of God. under the the veil and the crushing of sin and death. Jesus says, take this from me. But even more than take this from me, not my will, but thy will be done. Thy will be done. You see, the greatest threat to my kingdom or to God's kingdom is my kingdom. It's the number one thing in the way. And that's why as we dismantle the false and become sons and students, apprentices, warriors, we can become the kind of kings that thrive, that thrive under leadership, that thrive under consent, that thrive under rule. Because God God just never requires of us more than we can do in union with him he never gives anyone too much to do dallas says we do i give myself way more to do than god gives of me but god never requires anything of us that we can't do outside of union with him and so the journey of masculinity the integration of the soul shifts on will we yield, will we come under his rule and care so that we can, in our wholeheartedness, become anointed with power to rule over others, which is meant to be goodness and love and care so that those under our shadow thrive and become all that God meant when he meant them. And the Spirit goes all through the earth, Chronicles says, looking for a heart that would yield. The Father is more vested in you becoming a king than you are. He's scanning the earth looking for a few men that have yielded. One of the pieces in this that's so important is understanding humility because the religious spirit has just um, wreaked havoc on humility and false humility. Actually, the enemy gets in there and uses that, which is just a masking for pride. And humility is taken on the form of um, softness, acquiescence, under the veil of the religious spirit, when the truth is humility was meant to communicate the posture of masculine strength under rule. The, The Greek word is ana, and one mentor described it best as a horse being brought under rain. It's fiery strength under the care and connection of a good leader. This is the way they said it. They said, This word of humility, in the core concept, it's answering to another. In its extreme, it's expressed as slavery. But most often, it has to do with a sense of looking towards another for instruction and care. The image of a horse, of a fiery personality that's not eradicated, this is so important, when it's brought under authority, when the owner says run free, it will run free. Humility never means stifling the fire, the personality, the identity. It's simply bringing that fire, bringing that Personality, bringing that identity under one who is more wise and more knowing what is best for one's care. Humility is a powerful thing, it's strength harnessed. It's Jesus in the garden when they say, Are you the one? and he says, I am he and they're blown off their feet. Like that actually happened. Imagine that. He says, I am he, and the people are blown off their feet. He could have called legions of angels to rescue him. And it took two angels to wipe out a city. He could have called legions of angels, but deeper still, harness strength was not my will, but thy will be done. The goal is union. In all of this, the goal is union and the fruit is intimacy. Just want your soul to receive that. In all that we're talking about, I want the gospel is simple. The gospel is meant to be simple. And I want to bring it into this space of the goal is union and the fruit of union in our chaotic world. In a world that feels like the odds are against us, the fruit is intimacy. And it all hinges on this question, will I yield? Will I allow my, heart, my strength to be harnessed? And in that space, you guys, it's it's not so much a yes or no question. Um, it's a process, right? We are saved and being saved. Since we are the sons of God, we must become the sons of God. So I want to take you back in your soul to that idea of the four soils. Because the question is, what parts of us are yielded? Clearly, because you are here, the answer is yes to parts of you. And there are parts of me that are are not yet yielded, that are not yet under his rule, that are not yet under his care. And so this decade is an opportunity to do some deep soul searching, to scan the geography of your soul. Your soul has a geography. That's why there are pieces and parts of the creation world that speak to you and others don't speak to you as much because it's, it's a mirror reflecting the geography of your soul. All of creation is meant to express in a physical reality, a manifestation of the spiritual kingdom, right? The most important things in life are always unseen. And so what parts of you are yielded and what are the next steps that the father has just the next step to bring more of you as a son, a student, as a warrior and a King under his leadership, where you can truly say, father, you have my, yes, I consent to that even though it's so exposing, it's so risky, it's so utterly frontier. I hope you enjoyed this council gleaned from a recent Become Good Soil Intensive in Colorado. We are very excited to let you know that we are now accepting applications to attend two upcoming Become Good Soil Intensives in May of 2017. One will be in Colorado, and the other will be in Australia. The application process is quite extensive. The deadline for submissions for our Colorado Intensive is November 15th of this year. To find out more about the Colorado and Australia Intensive events and the application process, go to becomegoodsoil.com.